You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church at church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I hope it's going to be a great one. And if you're watching this after Father's Day, then happy belated Father's Day, and I hope it was a great one. Today I want to share some things with you that are going to be real good truths for fathers, but it's going to be for all of us, okay? Uh, Especially if you're a single mom, then this still applies to you. Or if you're the only Christian in your house, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're the spiritual leader because no one else is leading spiritually. So these truths are for all of those people, but really they're for all of us. So I hope you'll listen. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I thought about something that I've heard virtually my entire adult life. And I've actually even used it in sermons. And I got to thinking about how untrue it was. It just doesn't hold to truth of what's actually going on in our lives. And it's this statement that 95% of life is just showing up. Now, you may have heard different numbers, 90% of life. And and, uh, Woody Allen was actually credited with saying 80% of success is just showing up. So I wanted to throw that in there in case you research it. So wait a minute, Woody Allen said that. But I can tell you, grandmoms and people's grandmoms have told me, you know, this is something from years and years ago. And the numbers change 80, 90, 95% of life. So we get these supposed facts that are really just a lot of hyperbole. And we just run with them, you know, and, and they become part of what we believe. They become part of what we say. And sometimes they get bigger and bigger, right? 80 to 90 to 95. And that's the way I think this one is as well. But it's just not true, is it? That 95% of life is just showing up or even 90 or even 80. Okay, maybe for a few things, maybe like uh, funerals. You know, sometimes funeral, just showing up is almost all you can do. I mean, even if you're the pallbearer, you know, I mean, you're not gonna do much at that funeral except help with the casket, maybe the flowers. So really showing up is a big part of that. Or going to a sporting event, being a spectator, 80 to 90% of it is just kind of being there, right? Or, or watching a movie. You know, you could almost make the argument that 100% of watching a movie is just showing up. But I guess you got to pay attention and you got to listen to what's going on. Keep your eyes open, that kind of thing. So maybe it is that high for a few things. But I tried and tried, and I can't think of many other things that that is true for. Most of the things in life, I would say that is absolutely not true for things like this. For exercise... 90% is not showing up. If that were the case, then a lot of us would go, you know, buy a gym membership and just drive over to the gym and just watch the pounds fall off, right? But 90% is not just showing up. That's one of the reasons they call it working out. And that may be one of the reasons that most of us don't want to do it, right? Or what about having a garden? 90% of having a garden it's not showing up. You just can't just walk out there and all of a sudden a garden is going to appear with just a little bit of effort. It's a lot of effort. You know, and I, I haven't gardened a lot, but when I was young, my dad wanted to grow some things out in the backyard and I remembered how tired I would get and how hot it was and sweaty. You know, it's not just showing up or things like getting an education. You know, just showing up to class is not going to do it. Just carrying the books around, there's work to do. Or working a job. Now, 
we've all had that coworker that about 90% of what they did was just showing up, but they didn't really do their job. Someone else ended up picking it up, right? So even having a job, 90% of it is not just showing up or relationships. Relationships take work. When you get married, a lot of people think, man, I get married and everything's gonna just go so smooth. No, it takes work. Uh, any, any kind of relationship in your life that is going to be successful is going to take work or being a Christian. Being a Christian, 90% of that is not showing up. If it, if it were, just think about how easy it would be right now because you're not even having to get dressed and, and go to church. All you got to do is, you know, wear your pajamas, go sit on the couch and watch it on TV, right? That's not being a Christian. It takes more than just showing up and being a dad. 90% of being a dad is not just showing up. If that were the case, then all you got to do is come home from work, right? Sit down at the table, just be there, right? Uh, sit with your iPad or your phone all evening. Just be there. That's not being a dad. We know it's very vital. The very first step is showing up because you can't work the garden unless you show up in the garden. You can't work out at the gym unless you show up at the gym. You can't connect with your kids, dad, unless you show up. So it's very vital to show up. But in reality, the most important things we do are what we do after we show up. Okay, so now let's hone in just a little bit more on being a great dad. And again, this isn't just for dads, okay? But let me just say it this way, is being a great dad is very simple. I didn't say it was easy, but it's very simple. I think most of it can be wrapped up in this, is being attentive. Just paying attention to those kids that are around you. And not just the ones that are your kids, but maybe other kids around you. Being a great dad, being a great spiritual, is about being attentive. And God gave us a great tool to do that called prayer. Because you know what happens when we pray? When we pray, we don't really change God's mind. We don't talk God into any things. What really happens when we pray more often than not is we're the ones that change. And when we pray, it brings our attention to the things and the needs that are around us. So step one of being a great dad, step one of being a great spiritual leader in your, in your home, and especially if you're the only Christian in your home, is prayer. Now, let, let me share with you just a, a few stories from the Bible about prayer, okay? And one of my favorites is Job. You've probably heard of Job, and you might not think of Job as being a great dad, but Job chapter 1 shows us what an awesome dad he was. Here, here's, here's the background. His kids were all grown, and his sons, they would just have times together in their homes. One son would throw a party and invite all the other siblings, and their families would come, and, and then another one of his brothers would, would uh, have a party and invite everyone in. And what Job would do after the party was over, Job would rise up the next morning, and some of the translations say he would call his children to him, and he would offer sacrifices, meaning that he would intercede for his children. Because Job would say, and he would think, because maybe when my kids were rioting and their parties and doing everything, maybe they said something or did something that was displeasing to God. 
And so he would intercede for them. He would pray. He would seek God for them. And verse 5 of chapter 1 of the book of Job, I mean the fifth verse, it says this, says that Job did this regularly. That this wasn't one time that Job did this. This was his regular practice is, is that he would call out to God for his family on a regular basis. What a great, what a great dad that had to be to have that kind of dad and to know, to know that you had that kind of a dad. Here's another one. This is from Genesis chapter 12, Abraham. Now you may have heard of Abraham. You may have heard of Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Now it appears that Abraham took Lot kind of as a surrogate father, took him under his wing as his own son because Abraham didn't have any kids yet. And Lot's dad had died. And so Abraham takes Lot with him and and uh, they, they head toward Canaan. They get to Canaan and, and they end up splitting up. And Lot goes and he lives in the cities, the big cities where all the action is and everything's exciting. And if you know the story, he lives in Sodom and Gomorrah in that area. But they're actually from other ancient writings. We find that there are five cities and uh, the, this Pentapolis and five cities that are, are evil and wicked. But the two worst are Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, God tells Abraham that the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah has been so great that it's come to his attention. And he says, I've got to go check things out. As if people in the city, perhaps Lot himself is saying, God, you've got to change something here. Or maybe it's people that are being taken advantage of, people that are being abused, people that are being hurt, people that are being killed, are crying out to God. And God says, I've got to go do something. And do you know what, what Abraham does for Lot? Now, this is the mark, again, of a great dad. Abraham goes into intercession for Lot. He prays, not once, not twice, but he prays over and over and over. And begging with God to spare Lot and, and to even spare the, the city around him. And he keeps going to God and he keeps going to God. Lot was not just blessed that he had a man stand in the place of his dad in his life, that he had a man willing to step in and take on that mantle of, of being a father and teach him how to do something, teach him how to raise cattle, teach him how to, how to build his own little empire. He was blessed to have a, a man step into that place and to pray those kinds of prayers over him when his life was in danger. Or, or here's another one, Jacob. When Jacob, who's name God changed to Israel, or whom the whole nation is named. When Jacob was about to die, he called all of his sons to his bedside, and he spoke a blessing over every one of them. Now, a couple of them, they had done some things that he, he spoke of how their lives were going to be cursed, but he spoke blessings over the rest of them. And this is one of the positions that we have when we ha have the understanding that we're spiritual leaders, that we're the priests of our homes, then I believe we have authority that we can speak those things. And, and, if, you, and if you look at it, and if, if you trace those, those promises, those blessings that Jacob spoke over his sons, you see those things coming to pass. And sometimes that's just because of the spiritual authority that God gives a dad. Sometimes, though, it's because when we speak things to people, they pick up on that, they begin believing that in themselves, and they start going that direction. That's why, dads, it's so important for you to understand the power of your words when you speak to your kids. So speak blessing to them. Lift them up. One last one. 
And this is from Exodus chapter 12. This is when the Israelites were in, in Egypt and God wanted to deliver them and, and God was sending all these plagues because he was trying to get Pharaoh to just give up and let them go. And finally God says, a death angel is coming by and here's how I want to protect all of Israel. I want you to take a lamb, slaughter the lamb, take the blood, go out on the front porch and take that blood and apply it to the top of the doorpost and the, to the two sides of the doorpost. And in doing that, when, when death, when, when the trouble that is coming this night into Egypt, when it comes to your house and sees that blood, that trouble is just going to pass right on by. Now think of the picture. I don't know what you see, but let me tell you the picture that I get of this, okay? Think of this picture here. A dad standing on the front porch of his house with all the trouble that is out there in the world, standing between the trouble and his family inside that home and applying the blood to the home. You see, this was a perfect, beautiful example of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and that his blood for us isn't just to save us from our sins, but also protects us from so many other things. And dad, spiritual head of your house, single moms, we need to be out on the front porch. I, I mean, I've done this sometimes, and I don't mean just metaphorically speaking. I've actually sometimes just gone out on my front porch, and I've stood there, and I've prayed against the trouble that's in the world, and I pray protection over those that are behind me in the house. And not just those that live there, but those that visit. And now that my grandkids come and spend nights with us, I pray that prayer. Dads, we got to get there. See the picture of a dad standing there on the porch. And maybe not just there on the porch. How about in front of every single bedroom in your house? For every child in your house. Praying and pleading the blood of Jesus for their protection from all of that out there in this world that wants to destroy them. All of these are the examples to help us understand not just how to do it, but the importance of it. The importance of, of being the man of God to stand and to speak and to intercede and to bless and to call things into existence that aren't yet. Not, again, not just how to do it, but the necessity of it, and the promise of it and the power of it. So I've spent almost this whole sermon now talking about the importance of, of prayer and how, how that will keep our attention focused and help us be great dads. And I don't really have time to talk about other steps and other things, right? Well, there's a reason for that. I meant to do that because here's what I really believe. If you get this right, if you get this first step right, if you get prayer right in your life, if you become a praying father, if you become an interceding father, if you become a father who speaks blessing, if you become a father who understands his place between the trouble that's in the world and his family, then a lot of those other steps are going to just lay right out in the right place. They're just going to fall in place like they're supposed to when you realize the place you're supposed to have in praying for your family. So get that first. But let me throw one more thing at you, okay, before we do close. And let me read a little bit of scripture to you. This is from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, what great advice that would be if Paul was giving that to us to share with our kids. And really, all scripture is given to us to share with our kids, yes. But first of all, it's given to me. Guys, we don't just pass along scripture. We're supposed to also live the scripture in front of our kids. These kind of directives and admonishments that we get from the Apostle Paul, that we get from the Word of God, these are the examples that we're supposed to set by living this in front of our kids. And did you, did you notice this construction there? There were three times in these six little verses here, three times where he used a, a don't, but, don't, but. Don't do this, but do that. The first one is don't live foolishly, but live wisely. The second one is don't act thoughtlessly, but with understanding. And the third one is don't be drunk with wine, wherein is ruin, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now all of these things, it's like, it's really easy to see kind of the parallels, you know, almost like the antonyms, right? It's like, don't live foolishly, but wisely, like those are opposites. Don't act thoughtlessly, but with understanding, those are opposites. And then he pairs, don't be drunk with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And those aren't really opposites, unless there's some context here that we need to be getting, right? What is the context that would make these two things opposites? Think about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about coping mechanisms. That during this time of the coronavirus and all of this going on and people have been sheltering at home and not being able to go out and eat like you want to and even not even being able to go to work. You know, I've actually talked to people that missed being able to just go to work. And during this time, there's been a skyrocket of coping mechanisms of, of people using substances and other things to just cope and try to get by. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And one of those things, you know, that we can use is alcohol and alcoholism is skyrocketing now again. So what if he's saying this? Is he saying, don't use anything as a coping mechanism because I've given you the Holy Spirit, everything you need. One of the things your kids need to learn from you, dad, is they need to see that you walk in the power of God in such a way that you know you don't need anything else. Be the example before them that because of the power of God in my life, I don't need artificial means of, of coping. I don't need drugs and alcohol or inappropriate relationships in my life that are, are going, to, going to cause me to do things I shouldn't be doing. I don't need those things because I have the power of God. He hasn't called us just to talk the words of the gospel. He's called us to exemplify the words of the gospel. Dads, this is our time. Our kids need us today more than ever. Your kids are struggling. And I just had this conversation with someone the other day about how, how our kids know what to do because they're hearing voices from everywhere. Yet it seems like our generation, 
the one we live in right now, that, that we're backing away to a, a, allow our kids to choose their own way. But the problem is, if we're not involved in the conversation, they don't have any option except to choose what everybody else is saying besides us. We have to get back into the conversation, Dad. We have to get back in front of them, living the life that God called us to live so they can see that life. So here's the challenge. Be an example of relying on the power of God. Show your kids that if you rely on the power of God, you don't need any artificial coping mechanism. You don't need anything else. What Jesus gave us when he told us he was sending the power of the Holy Spirit on us, what he gave us is enough. Teach your kids that. Exemplify that. Let them see it. Make them know it because of your example. So let me pray with you, Dad. Let me pray with you single moms who are having to step into that place. Let me pray with those of you who are the only Christian in your whole family. Let me pray with you. And if you aren't yet walking with Christ, if you've not accepted Him as your Savior yet, man, you need this. You need this strength. You need this authority, especially, come on, dads. You need this authority to be able to speak these things and pray these things and call these blessings to intercede on behalf of your family. You need this. And I dare you, just trust in Christ right now because that's all it takes. Jesus has already done the hard work. He died on the cross for your sins. And just ask him to take that blood and wash away all your sins. That's all it takes. Believe in his sacrifice for you and then tell somebody about it. So let's start with that prayer and then let's move on into praying for our families, okay? Father, I love you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to pray with someone who wants to know you today, who wants to accept Christ as their Savior today, and it's already been done. Everything's taken care of. And so those who right now, God, are acting on that faith and putting their confidence and trust in Christ, repenting of their sins, God, I ask you to do what you said you would do in your word. Take the blood of Jesus, wash away their sin, and write their names in your records in heaven for all eternity. And God, I pray also for all of us dads and single moms and spiritual heads of households, God, I pray that you help us follow your example because you are our example. You make sure we understand. You make sure we know that you love us. You make sure that, that we can see your plan for our lives and the steps we need to take. You don't hide that from us. You want us to know. God, help us follow your example to be that kind of spiritual leader in our home and, and to stand in the gap. I pray right now. I pray right now for, for families that need peace, Lord. Someone that's really struggling right now. I pray for those families that need peace right now. I pray for dads that are confused and don't know what to do next. I pray, God, that you give them wisdom to understand. Because, God, these are two things that come from your Holy Spirit that we just talked about a few moments ago from the fruit of the Spirit and from the gifts of the Spirit. And so, God, I pray those things, the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit on every dad, every spiritual head of the household listening right now and every one of us, God. Help us as we try to find that place to stand in the gap between our families and the problems that our families are facing. Help us, God, as we speak blessings, Lord, and speak life Instead of speaking curses, help us intercede, Lord, and find that place of spiritual authority that we can stand for what we need to be standing for 
and leading our families to know you in Christ's name. Amen. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. You can email our prayer team at prayer at church2911.com or text us at 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting church2911.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. Thanks for listening to the 2911 Sermons Podcast. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.